Chapter Twenty Six of Zanoni by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. Letter from Zanoni to Mejnour, Paris. Dost thou remember in the old time when the beautiful yet dwelt in Greece? How we too in the vast Athenian theatre witnessed the birth of words as undying as ourselves? Dost thou remember the thrill of the terror that ran through that mighty audience, when the wild Cassandra burst forth from her awful silence to shriek to her relentless god? How ghastly, at the entrance of the house of Atreus, about to become her tomb, rang out her exclamations of foreboding woe! Dwelling aboard of heaven, human shamble-house and floor blood bespattered, dost thou remember how, amidst the breathless awe of those assembled thousands, I drew close to thee and whispered, verily no prophet like the poet this scene of fabled horror comes to me as a dream shadowing forth like some likeness in my own remoter future as i enter this slaughter-house that scene returns to me and i hearken to the voice of cassandra ringing in my ears a solemn and warning dread gathers round me if i too were come to find a grave and the net of hades had already entangled me in its web what dark treasure-houses of vicissitude and woe are our memories become what are lives but the chronicles of unrelenting death it seems to me as yesterday when i stood in the streets of the city of gaul as they shone with plumbed chivalry and the air rustled with silken braveries young lewis the monarch the lover was victor of the tournament at the carousel and all france felt herself splendid in the splendour of her gorgeous chief now there is neither throne nor altar and what is in their stead i see it yonder the guillotine it is dismal to stand amidst the ruins of smouldering cities to startle the serpent and the lizard amidst the wrecks of persepolis and thebes but more dismal still to stand as i the stranger from empires that have ceased to be stand now amidst the ghastlier ruins of law and order the shattering of mankind themselves yet here even here love the beautifier that hath led my steps can walk with unshrinking hope through the wilderness of death strange is the passion that makes the world itself that individualizes the one amidst the multitude that through all the changes of my solemn life yet survives the one ambition and hate and anger are dread the one solitary angel hovering over a universe of tombs on its two tremulous and human wings hope and fear how is it Mejnour, that as my diviner art abandoned me in my search for viola i was aided but by the ordinary instincts of the merest mortal how is it that i have never desponded that i have felt in every difficulty the prevailing prescience that we should meet at last so cruelly was every vestige of her flight concealed from me so suddenly so secretly she fled that all the spies all the authorities of venice could give me no clue all italy i searched in vain her young home at naples how still in its humble chambers there seemed to linger the fragrance of her presence all the sublimest secrets of our lore failed me failed to bring her soul visible to mine yet morning and night thou lone and childless one morning and night detached from myself i can commune with my child there in that most blessed typical and mysterious of all relations nature herself appears to supply what science could refuse space cannot separate the father's watchless soul from the cradle of his first-born i know not of his resting-place and home my visions picture not the land 
only the small and tender life to which all space is yet the heritage for to the infant before the reason dawns before man's bad passions can dim the essence that it takes from the element it hath left there is no peculiar country no native city no mortal language its soul as yet is a denizen of all airs and of every world and in space its soul meets with mine the child communes with the father cruel and forsaking one thou for whom i have left the wisdom of the spheres thou whose fatal dower has been the weakness and terrors of humanity couldst thou think that i could have wronged mine own didst thou not know that in the serenest eyes the life that i gave it spoke to warn to upbraid the mother who would bind it to the darkness and pangs of the prison-house of clay didst thou not feel that it was i who permitted it by the heavens shielded it from suffering and disease and in its wondrous beauty i blessed the holy medium through which at last my spirit might confer with thine and how have i tracked them hither i learned that thy pupil had been at venice i could not trace the young and gentle neophyte of parthenope in the description of the haggard and savage visitor who had come to viola before she fled but when i would have summoned his idea before me it refused to obey and i knew then that his fate had become entwined with viola's i have tracked him then to this lazar house i arrived but yesterday i have not yet discovered him i have just returned from their courts of justice dens where tigers arraign their prey i can find not whom i would seek they are saved as yet but i recognize in the crimes of mortals the dark wisdom of the everlasting Mejnour, i see here for the first time how majestic and beauteous a thing is death of what sublime virtues we robbed ourselves in the thirst for future we attained the art by which we can refuse to die when in some happy clime where to breathe is to enjoy the carnal house swallows up the young and fair when in the noble pursuit of knowledge death comes to the student and shuts out the enchanted land which was opening to its gaze how natural for us to desire to live how natural to make perpetual life the first object of research but here from my tower of time looking over the darksome past and into the starry future i learn how great hearts feel what sweetness and glory there is to die for the things they love i saw a father sacrificing himself for his son he was subjected to charges which a word of his could dispel he was mistaken for his boy with what joy he seized the error confessed the noble crimes of valour and fidelity which the son had indeed committed and went to the doom exulting that his death saved the life he had given not in vain i saw women young delicate in the bloom of their beauty they had vowed themselves to the cloister hands smeared with blood of saints opened the gate that had shut them from the world and bade them go forth forget their vows forswear the divine ones these demons would depose find lovers and helpmates and be free and some of these young hearts had loved and even though in struggles loved yet how did they forswear the vow did they abandon the faith did even love allure them Mejnour, with one voice they preferred to die and whence comes this courage because such hearts live in some more abstract and holier life than their own but to live for ever upon this earth is to live in nothing diviner than ourselves yes even amidst this gory butcherdom god the ever-living vindicates man to the sanctity of his servant death again i have seen thee in spirit i have seen and blessed thee my sweet child dost thou not know me also in thy dreams 
dost thou not feel the beating of my heart through the veil of thy rosy slumbers dost thou not hear the wings of the brighter beings that i yet conjure round thee to watch to nourish and to save and when the spell fades at thy waking when thine eyes open to the day will they not look around for me and ask thy mother with their mute eloquence why has she robbed thee of a father woman dost thou not repent thee flying from imaginary fears hast thou not come to the very lair of terror where danger sits visible and incarnate oh if we could but meet wouldst thou not fall upon the bosom thou hast so wrong and feel poor wanderer amidst the storms as if thou hast regained the shelter mejnour still my research fails me i mingle with all men even their judges and their spies but i cannot yet gain a clue i know she is here i know it by an instinct the breath of my child seems warmer and more familiar they peer at me with venomous looks as i pass through their streets with a glance i disarm their malice and fascinate the basilisks everywhere i see the track and scent of the presence of the ghostly one that dwells on the threshold and those victims are the souls that would aspire and can only fear i see its dim shapelessness going before the men of blood and marshalling their way robespierre passed me with his furtive step those eyes of horror were gnawing into his heart i looked down upon their senate the grim phantom was cowering on its floor it hath taken up its abode in the city of dread and what in truth are these would-be builders of the new world like the students who have vainly struggled after our supreme science they have tempted what is beyond their power they have passed from this solid earth of usages and forms into the land of shadow and its loathsome creeper has seized them as its prey i looked into the tyrant's shuddering soul as it trembled past me there amidst the ruins of a thousand systems which aimed at virtue sat crime and shivered at its desolation yet this man is the only thinker the only aspirant among them all he still looks for a future of peace and mercy to be in ay at what date when he has swept away every foe fool new foes spring from every drop of blood led by the eyes of the unutterable he is walking to his doom o viola thy innocence protects thee thou whom the sweet humanities of love shut out even from the dreams of aerial and spiritual beauty making thy heart a universe of visions fairer than the wanderer over the rosy hesperus can survey shall not the same pure affection encompass thee even here with a charmed atmosphere and terror itself fallen harmless on a life too innocent for wisdom the clubs are noisy with clamorous frenzy the leaders are grim with schemes black henright flies here and there muttering to his armed troops robespierre your beloved is in danger robespierre stalks perturbed his list of victims swelling every hour talien the macduff to the doomed macbeth is whispering courage to his pale conspirators along the streets heavily roll the tumbrils the shops are closed the people are gorged with gore and will lap no more and night after night to the eighty theatres flock the children of the revolution to laugh at the quips of comedy and weep gentle tears over imaginary woes in a small chamber in the heart of the city sits a mother watching over her child it is quiet happy noon the sunlight broken by the tall roofs in a narrow street comes yet through the open casement the impartial playfellow of the air gleesome like a temple and prison hall and hovel as golden and as blithe whether it laugh over the first hour of life or quiver in its gay delight on the terror and agony of the last the child where it lay at the feet of viola 
stretched out its dimpled hands as if to clasp the dancing motes that reveled in the beam the mother turned her eyes from the glory it saddened her yet more she turned and sighed is this the same viola who bloomed fairer than her own adalia under the skies of greece how changed how pale and worn she sat listlessly her arms drooping on her knee the smile that was habitual to her lips was gone a heavy dull despondency as if the life of life were no more seemed to weigh down her youth and make it weary of that happy sun in truth her existence had languished away since it had wandered as some melancholy stream from the source that fed it the sudden enthusiasm of fear or superstition that had almost as if in the unconscious movements of a dream led her to fly from zanoni had ceased from the day which dawned upon her in a foreign land then there she felt that in the smile she had evermore abandoned lived her life she did not repent she would have not recalled the impulse that winged her flight though the enthusiasm was gone the superstition yet remained she still believed she had saved her child from that dark and guilty sorcery concerning which the traditions of all lands are prodigal but in none do they find such credulity or excite such dread as in the south of italy this impression was confirmed by the mysterious conversations of glyndon and by her own perception of the fearful change that had passed over one who represented himself as the victim of enchanters she did not therefore repent but her very volition seemed gone on their arrival at paris viola saw her companion the faithful wife no more ere three weeks were passed husband and wife had ceased to live and now for the first time the drudgeries of this hard earth claimed the beautiful neapolitan in that profession giving voice and shape to poetry and song in which her first years were passed there is while it lasts an excitement in the art that lifts it from the labor of a calling hovering between two lives the real and the ideal dwells the life of music and the stage but that life was lost evermore to the idol of the eyes and ears of naples lifted to the higher realm of passionate love it seemed as if the fictitious genius which represents the thoughts of others was merged in the genius that grows all thought itself it had been the worst infidelity to the lost to have descended again to live on the applause of others and so for she would not accept alms from glyndon so by the most commonest arts the humblest industry which the sex knows alone and unseen she who had slept on the breast of zanoni found a shelter for their child and when in the noble first prefixed this chapter armida herself has destroyed her enchanted palace not a vestige of that bower raised of old by poetry and love remained to say and the child avenged the father it bloomed it thrived it waxed strong in the light of life but still it seemed haunted and preserved by some other being than her own in its sleep there was that slumber so deep and rigid which a thunderbolt could not have disturbed and in such sleep often it moved its arms as if to embrace the air often its lips stirred with murmured sounds of indistinct affection not for her and all the while upon its cheeks a hue of such celestial bloom upon its lips a smile of such mysterious joy then when it awakened its eyes did not turn first to her wistful earnest wandering they roved around to fix on her pale face at last in minute sorrow and reproach never had viola felt before how mighty her love was for zanoni how thought feeling heart soul life all lay crushed and dormant in the icy absence to which she had doomed herself 
she heard not the roar without she felt not one amidst those stormy millions worlds of excitement laboring through every hour only when glyndon haggard wan and spectre-like glided in day after day to visit her did the fair daughter of the careless south know how heavy and universal was the death air that girt around her sublime in her passive unconsciousness her mechanic life she sat and feared not the den of the beasts of prey the door of the room opened abruptly and glyndon entered his manner was more agitated than usual is it you clarence she said in her soft languid tones you are before the hour i expected you who can count on his hours at paris returned glyndon with a frightful smile is it not enough that i am here your apathy in the midst of these sorrows appalls me you say calmly farewell calmly you bid me welcome as if in every corner here was not a spy as if with every day there was not a massacre pardon me but in these walls lies my world i can hardly credit all the tales you tell me everything here save that she pointed to the infant seems already so lifeless that in the tomb itself one could scarcely less heed the crimes that are done without glyndon paused for a few moments and gazed with strange and mingled feelings upon that face and form still so young and yet so invested with that saddest of all repose when the heart feels old o oh, viola said he at last in a voice of suppressed passion was it thus i ever thought to see you ever thought to feel for you when we two first met in the gay haunts of naples ah why then did you refuse my love or why was mine not worthy of you nay shrink not let me touch your hand no passion so sweet as that youthful love can return to me again i feel for you but as a brother for some younger and lonely sister with you in your presence sad though it may be i seem to breathe back the purer air of my early life here alone except in scenes of turbulence and tempest the phantom ceases to pursue me i forget even the death that stalks behind and haunts me as my shadow but better days may be in store for us yet viola i at last begin dimly to perceive how to baffle and subdue the phantom that has cursed my life it is to brave and defy it in sin and in riot as i have told thee it haunts me not but i comprehend now what majnor said in his dark apothegms that i should dread the spectre most when unseen in virtuous and calm resolution it appears ay i behold it now there there with its livid eyes and the drops fell from his brow but it shall no longer daunt me from that resolution i face it and it gradually darkens back into the shade he paused and his eyes dwelt with a terrible exultation upon the sunlit space then with a heavy and deep-drawn breath he resumed viola i have found the means of escape we will leave this city in some other land we will endeavor to comfort each other and forget the past no said viola calmly i have no further wish to stir till i am borne hence to the last resting-place i dreamed of him last night clarence dreamed of him for the first time since we parted and do not mock me methought that he forgave the deserter and called me wife that dream hallows the room perhaps it will visit me again before i die talk not of him of the demon fiend cried glyndon fiercely and stamping his foot thank the heavens for any faith that hath rescued thee from him hush said viola gravely and as she was about to proceed her eye fell upon the child it was standing in the very centre of that slanting column of light which the sun poured into the chamber and the rays seemed to surround it as a halo and settled crown-like on the gold of its shining hair 
in its small shape so exquisitely modelled in its large steady tranquil eyes there was something that awed while it charmed the mother's pride it gazed on glyndon as he spoke with a look which almost might have seemed disdain and which viola at least interpreted as defence of the absent stronger than her own lips could frame glyndon broke the pause wouldst thou stay for what to betray a mother's duty if any evil happen to thee here what becomes of thine infant shall it be brought up an orphan in a country that has desecrated thy religion and where human charity exists no more ah weep and clasp it to thy bosom but tears do not protect and save thou hast conquered my friend i will fly with thee to-morrow night then be prepared i will bring thee the necessary disguises and glyndon then proceeded to sketch rapidly the outline of the path they were to take and the story they were to tell viola listened but scarcely comprehended he pressed her hand to his heart and departed there went with him still disdain and love like two greyhounds side by side glyndon did not perceive as he hurried from the house two forms crouching by the angle of the wall he saw still the spectre gliding by his side but he beheld not the yet more poisonous eyes of human envy and woman's jealousy that glared on his retreating footsteps nicot advanced to the house Filide followed him in silence the painter an old sans-culot knew what language to assume to the porter he beckoned the latter from his lodge how is this citizen thou harbourest a suspect citizen you terrify me if so name him it is not a man a refugee an italian woman lodges here yes a troyeme the door to the left but what of her she cannot be dangerous poor child citizen beware dost thou dare to pity her i no no indeed but speak the truth who visits her no one but an englishman that is it an english a spy of pitt and coburg just heaven is it possible how citizen dost thou speak of heaven thou must be an aristocrat no indeed but it was an old bad habit and escaped me unawares how often does the englishman visit her daily felide uttered an exclamation she never stirs out said the porter her sole occupations are in work and care of her infant her infant felide made a bound forward nicot in vain endeavoured to arrest her she sprang up the stairs she paused not till she was before the door indicated by the porter it stood ajar she entered she stood at the threshold and beheld that face still so lovely the sight of so much beauty left her hopeless and the child over whom the mother bent she who had never been a mother she uttered no sound the furies were at work within her breast viola turned and saw her and terrified by the strange apparition with features that expressed the deadliest hate and scorn and vengeance uttered a cry and snatched the child to her bosom the italian laughed aloud turned descended and gaining the spot where nicot still conversed with the frightened porter drew him from the house when they were in the open street she halted abruptly and said avenge me and name thy price my price sweet one is but permission to love thee thou wilt fly with me to-morrow night thou wilt possess thyself of the passports and the plan and they shall before then find their asylum in the concierge the guillotine shall requite thy wrongs do this and i am satisfied said felide firmly and they spoke no more till they regained the house but when there looking up to the dull building saw the windows of the room which the belief of glyndon's love had once made a paradise the tiger relented at her heart something of the woman gushed back upon her nature dark and savage as it was 
she pressed the arm on which she leaned convulsively and exclaimed no no not him denounce her let her perish but i have slept on his bosom not him it shall be as thou wilt said nicot with a devil's sneer but he must be arrested for the moment no harm shall happen to him for no accuser shall appear but for her thou wilt not relent for her for lady turned upon him her eyes and their dark glance was sufficient answer End of chapter 26. Recording by Kirk Ziegler, Ogden, Utah, voiceover-solutions.com.